From somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. And I'm not even talking just about you know going to the doctor's office or get to go to the hospital. I'm talking about if you have to go out and buy over-the-counter medication because you got a headache, because you got a cold. I'm fine, by the way. I'm, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. Hell yes, Mr. Rob Roop. Thank you very much. It's me. It's Mike. This is Mike Davidson Lives. Thanks for downloading the podcast. Hanging out, etc., 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 for the next 30 minutes or so. Glad to, uh, to be with you. You seem like a decent guy or gal. Now, I was, uh, I was having this conversation um, earlier in the day, recording this Thursday, uh, with a co-worker. She's been, uh, she's been battling like this head cold thing for like the last three or four days. And she wasn't feeling up the snuff, so last night she stopped off at one of the dollar stores here in town. Not Dollar, not dollar Tree, because I think this would have only cost her a buck twenty-five. Dollar Tree, um, but she went to get like a small bottle of like Dayquil or something, and at this dollar store, nine bucks. <laughs> what the frick? Uh, so she went someplace else, got it cheaper for only only five, and it's a small bottle of Dayquil. Though we we're talking about that, like over the counter medicine, like they they make it such a pain in the ass for anybody who is a law abiding citizen. To buy because you got tweakers and meth heads and all the like that uh, like to use the ingredients for that stuff. Or, or you know, like out in uh, California or on the East Coast, you know, you, you ransack a CVS, Walgreens, take what's on the shelf, and you sell it outside the door for a fraction of the cost. So, you know, prices are going up because of that inflation. Um, and, you know, they'll, they'll lock crap behind the cabinet. The whole point of OTC over-the-counter is you, you can get this without anybody's assistance, without a doctor's note, without a pharmacist. And uh, I do have a similar story coming up later on the podcast, not involving a pharmacy, but involving a hardware store. It's just crazy. I mean, I, I told her that I, I remember the first time I got carded for medicine. I was down in uh, Kokomo. One of my radio shifts at the end of that, I was just feeling like, crap, I needed some medicine. Go to Kroger, and I'm getting carded for this. Uh, they probably thought I would look like a meth head. No, I just looked like I like I felt like shit. That's that's what was going on there. Uh, by the way, rock fans, thoughts and prayers uh, to the legendary Mick Jones, a foreigner. Uh, the band's out touring right now. He is not. He hasn't toured uh, actively with the band since, what, 2022? Uh, pretty good guitarist. Uh, it's been revealed that he is dealing with Parkinson's. And that's the same shit that uh, Ozzy's going through right now. And most famously, we all know of Michael J. Fox having Parkinson's. And it, it kind of sucks. And by kind of, I mean, it really sucks. But, you know, he's also damn near 80. I don't think anybody would expect him to hit the road. It's not like, you know, you're, you're 30 and you're young and you're healthy. It's, uh, you know, you're 80 and you're dealing with something pretty serious. So, uh, you know, do what you can to stay comfortable, Mick, and uh, we are thinking about you. Didn't have this problem this morning. I, uh, of course, I'm a Verizon customer. <laughs> Used to be AT&T, but no, I'm a, I'm a Verizon guy. Um, but AT&T 
this morning had a, a, a big major outage uh, nationally. Uh, some customers were without phone service and internet for a day. Uh, and they say it was an internal software thing. It wasn't an outside hack. And, and I kind of believe them because it, the the number ranges anywhere from like fifty eight to 60,000 people nationally without AT&T service. And AT&T services a whole lot of customers, so that's only a small fraction of it, but it's enough to make their stock dip a little bit. And, you know, a lot of people are questioning, okay, what what caused it? What kind of software update are we talking about? I guess it was just like a tech thing. But if, uh, if you've been paying attention to the news, uh, and I guess last week the great freakout was that Russia has nukes, right? And they have them in space. Uh, not confirmed, not denied. Uh, I guess I was just kind of in a secret meeting in, in Washington with the politicians. But, you know, one of the fears is, let's just say they have something like that, a satellite with nukes, and they decided to drop it over the United States, and it detonates high in the atmosphere. Uh, it could send off an EMP that would travel hundreds, if not thousands of miles, that would knock out uh, telecommunications, electronics, pretty much everything we use to run society. And so when people look at uh, what happened with AT&T this point, they're like, could that happen to us now? I don't know. Um, I, I do know that uh, a whole lot more people would be without service and uh, you probably wouldn't be able to download porn. I, I, that's about it. Vince McMahon couldn't download porn. Uh, he would be at a disadvantage. I mean, that's the thing. If an EMP went off, uh, you know, rich and poor, you're you're okay, people. Vince McMahon, of course, uh, in hot water with the uh, the allegations of uh, well, what he did to a woman that was employed there. Paul Roma. I remember this guy vaguely when I was a kid. Uh, he was part of a tag team for the WWE Power and Glory. It was him and a dude named Hercules. Um, and <laughs> Paul Roma... And Hercules. Yeah, uh, they were pretty much muscle-bound and, you know, meatheads. But I guess he said in a recent interview that uh, there was some pretty vile stuff going on behind the scenes back in the day in the WWE uh, where some of the male wrestlers were uh, basically subject to harassment from other male scouts and talent uh, developers in the locker room. He said it never happened to him, but uh, there are some people that just, uh, well, their careers never flourished because they didn't go all the way. But it wouldn't be surprising at that point, at this point, if he, what he says is true. I, but the thing is that what he's telling us is not necessarily legally binding. It's just more smoke from a possible raging wildfire. You kind of have to look for other things to pop up, and if they do pop up. You know, statute of limitations, uh, evidence, etc., etc. It, it, it's it's hard to prove, but it does look like uh, the further along this thing goes, the seedier the organization looks. So yeah, Paul Roma out there. Uh, I think I think this was, was somebody at Fox News he was talking to. Uh, Re Rachel Ziegler is the biggest action star in the United States, thanks to you, the people. And you're probably going, well, I didn't vote for her. And also, who's Rachel Ziegler? And she's um, she's uh, the star of the upcoming Snow White live-action movie, which is uh, it's a reboot that's been rebooted several times in production and post-production. Like, they've 
revamped and changed a whole lot of crap with that. Um, but uh, the People's Choice Awards, I guess, happened this week. And uh, Best Action Star, which featured Tom Cruise, which featured uh, Keanu Reeves, John Wick 4 for crying out loud. Uh, yeah, Chris Pratt, Jason Momoa, and they picked her because she was in the prequel to uh, <laughs> The Hunger Games. Uh, and I, I keep forgetting that thing actually happened this past year, that, that there was a prequel to The Hunger Games. But it happened. She was in it, and she was uh, apparently chosen by the people as the best action star of 2023, which is bullshit. Um, I, mean, I would have to go with... I mean, look, I, Tom Cruise always does a bunch of stunts in his movies, um, but Mission Impossible 7 kind of flamed out at the box office. John Wick 4 did pretty well. I would say I would say Wick, Keanu, would be the big action star. That would be my pick. Um, and again, it, John Wick, I think, is a little more uh, in, in pop culture nowadays than, say, The Hunger Games. That's just me being a dumb guy. Alright, so... One of the bigger stories of the last couple of weeks is Beyonce. She's one of the biggest uh, pop stars ever, biggest R&B stars ever, and now one of the biggest country stars ever. Uh, she decided to cut a country album because she can, um, and Texas Hold Them is her latest single, and uh, she became the first black woman ever to top the, uh, the country charts uh, with this song. And, of course, uh, there's uh, been a lot of uh, praise, a lot of uh, controversy, a lot of blowback, blah, 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 blah. First, when you, when you want to figure out what's going on with a piece of pop culture, you take a look at it, you give it a listen. So I, I listened to Texas Hold'em, and I got to say, it's not bad. It's not bad at all. I think she does a good job singing on this thing. Uh, I think it's produced very well. Uh, it's it's not overblown. It it sounds like a country song. But that said, that said, I, you know I'm not the world's biggest Beyonce's fan, mind you, or country music fan. I think it sounds all right. The two fan bases, you know, your your P ones with the Beyonce fan base, and the longtime country listeners that uh, have never listened to Beyonce before. Could they both buy in? Both audiences buy in. Right now, in the media, there's kind of like this big thing about, well, you know, if you don't like the Beyonce song, you know, country song, you're racist and you think it, it's white cultural appropriation and all this other stuff. I, I th Yeah, there's going to be some people that think that, but I don't think that's overall why some people are kind of pushing back on this thing. What I'm suggesting here is you have her traditional audience, which is pop, which is R&B, which is, we have been following her since Destiny's Child. And then you have country music listeners that love what they love, and here comes someone who has a catalog of pop and R&B. She's doing country now. Now, this could be one of those rare, rare anomalies where, you know, you, you blend the audiences a little bit, but can they stay blended long term? Let me put it to you this way. If, if you're a long-time Beyonce fan and you have a chance to go to her show and she does nothing during the concert but country music, 
would you like it just the same as if she was doing uh, Crazy in Love or anything else, right? And if you're a country music fan and you like the song, you go to a Beyonce show and she starts doing her other stuff, are you going to like it? See, everybody's looking at, at the song charting right now, but long term, how's it going to play out? How's the country album going to play out? Five years from now, is anybody going to sing this song like uh, they're doing right now? Is anybody going to be listening to the song the same as they're doing right now? And that's kind of the thing with pop culture is there's like a lot of disposable crossover, a lot of disposable nostalgia. I remember when I was uh, the program director down in Kokomo for uh, the rock station, I think this was basically the last year I was there before I jumped up here to Fort Wayne, and Zach Brown Band had a crossover hit with rock, rock music, uh, Heavy as the Head, and they had Chris Cornell come in and sing some, uh, some verses on this thing, and it sounded great. If you're a rock fan, you're like, hell yeah, this is uh, this is pretty awesome. Now, I did detect a little Black Sabbath lyrically uh, in this song, but it wasn't to the point where it felt like he was ripping them off like, you know, some other bands might rip off other legacy acts. Bird of Fleet. But I think overall, the Jekyll and Hyde album, which it came off of, just didn't appeal to his long-term country fans. They're like, wait, no... We listen to you because you're a country guy, not because you're a rock guy. And that in itself has nothing to do with race because, well, you know, he's a white dude. But people know what they like. You know, and yes, there are people that like both country and rock, but generally speaking, Zach Brown's fan base is country. And while it was cool to see him jam out with Chris Cornell, it was, it was a one-time thing. That's the same thing with Beyonce here. And, you know, and I put this on the uh, Mike Davidson Facebook page and, you know, get some people like, well, you know, they, there's kind of a pay for play and all this other stuff. Uh, you know, they basically buy their way into the charts. And again, that's what I'm talking about. Like it's getting played right now. And could you imagine being that country station in a major market that said no to Beyonce? You'd be on the six o'clock news and it would not be fun. But I mean, it's getting played right now, but will it have the same staying power years from now? It's our, our our pop culture is so fickle. Like that that's what I'm getting at. Like it just music the last twenty years overall has not has not had the same cultural impact as music from the seventies, eighties, or nineties. And here she is. She's coming into the country music scene. And by the way, what's that say about country music when Beyonce has to come in and put in a number one song? It's kind of like how like a lot of rock stations would shoehorn Imagine Dragons or 21 Pilots in their format. And when you listen to them, it made no sense whatsoever. She's successful, and she can get away with this, too. There's no way in hell Olivia Rodrigo or Dua Lipa could do this right now in their careers. Beyonce can because she's been around a bit. You know, if this album failed, so what? She's already made her money. So, overall, like I said... I have no problem with the song. I just don't know if it's going to stick around and and be a classic five, ten years from now. My two cents on that. Okay, so tool. A tool. <laughs> Jesus. Google has a tool. That's what I was trying to say. It's called Gemini. It's an AI tool. And um, they um, were trying to... If you use it to generate images that are historical, oh my God, it gets a little... 
it gets a little too inclusive. Well, what's wrong with being inclusive? Well, let's just, if something is historically inaccurate, that gets to be a problem. I mean, if you're doing it kind of tongue-in-cheek to be funny, okay, like, uh, there's been, like, Founding Fathers, there has been a generated image of George Washington as a black man. And, as you know, George Washington was not a black man. Um, but uh, that's one thing. And they're taking some heat from this. But then somebody typed in, was it World War II German soldiers? And you're getting uh, African-American Nazi stormtroopers, uh, Japanese women. Native Americans, yeah, yeah, no, I, I don't think that was the credo of uh, the National Socialists over there in the former Weimar Republic, but uh, thank you very much, Google. Yeah, who who would have thought that Skynet uh, had such a, such a hands-on HR department, but here we are, and uh, Google's having to go around and apologize uh, to, to everybody about this. Um, <laughs> it's really... It's really bad. But the thing is, is, with AI, we don't know what the hell we're doing with this crap. And the people that run it, they either do or they're too irresponsible to care. And we come up with stuff like this. And right now, the computer-generated images are so stupid and bad. You know they're stupid and bad. But... We also know that video games once upon a time started off as 8-bit, then 16-bit, then 32-bit, and then pretty soon, holy shit, these things look real. And that's what's going to happen with AI, and it's probably going to happen at a faster rate. Um, and so there's two schools of thought on this. You know, of course, the traditional AI is going to kill us because it'll gain sentience and wipe us all out. Or those who control AI will use this to their advantage and make images that, regardless if they're false, drive home a narrative, whatever that narrative may be. Right now, this is goofy and stupid, you know, um, especially the inclusive Nazis. But it's kind of it's kind of a preview, a sneak preview of what could happen in more capable hands. Uh, but Google says they're going to fix it. We'll see about that. All right. Science, science is fascinating, even outside of technology, even outside of computers. Um, and scientists recently, it's, it's amazing, the body human, because there are mysteries that we have not even fathomed, or at least scientists have not even fathomed. Things that come to light once they shine that microscopic that microscopic microscope yeah of uh whatever cliche i'm trying to say here on the problems they wish to fix or maybe they didn't realize there was a problem or maybe they just discovered that something new has happened in the human species we are evolving are we evolving the right way i don't know but um i'm reading this uh thing here there has never been any definitive proof of difference in activity in the brains of men and women. 
But Stanford University has shown that it is possible to tell the sexes apart based on activity in hotspot areas. Uh, they, they include the default mode network, uh, an area of the brain thought to be the neurological center of self, for self rather, and is important in introspection and retrieving personal memories. The limbic system is also implicated, which helps regulate emotion, memory, and deals with sexual stimulation in stratum, which is important in habit forming and rewards. Now, this next part talks about how they use <laughs> AI, which might be a little rough and a little um, hypocritical since I just got done bashing Google for having AI. But uh, the AI model was shown MRI scans of working brains and told whether it was looking at a woman or a man. Over time, the neural network began to pick up, uh, pick out subtle differences between the two sexes that had been missed by humans. When researchers, when the researchers tested the model on about 1,500 brain scans, the model was able to tell if the scan came from a woman or a man more than 90% of the time, which is a nine out of ten. It's not a bad batting average. Women tend to be better at reading comprehension and writing ability on average, as given by the fact that I've been stammering through this reading and have good long-term memory. Conversely, men seem to have stronger visual and spatial awareness and better working memory. So, scientists have concluded that men and women's brains are different. Scientists, this is huge because scientists are finally catching up to the rest of us. I mean, why do, why do guys find fart jokes funny and women don't? You know what I mean? Like, it's, it, it's little things like that. Um, but, I mean, this is this is very interesting here. Because if there are differences in the male and female brain, that would imply, as I, especially that last paragraph I read, uh, that each men and women each have their own strengths and weaknesses. One is better at something than the other and vice versa. That makes us a little bit unique. And granted, there are outliers for sure. But if the brain is born male or female and has the, has a different way of perceiving things. Okay? If it perceives things differently than somebody uh, who's born with a different set of sex organs, how could it ever know what it's like to be somebody who with different chromosomes? You know what I mean? Because your default programming is male or female. Now, that doesn't mean you can't be gay. It doesn't mean anything like that. What I'm saying is you are already locked into the to a perspective in a way of perceiving things that uh, the other side can't. So it's kind of hard to understand the other side is what I'm saying. That's what makes us unique. That's what makes us different. That's That's not bad, by the way. But the scientists are discovering this, and it, it kind of makes you wonder if this story is going to like, gain steam in the media and how this will be um, explained to us. Like, oh, no, 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 you're getting it wrong, you're getting it wrong. But this study, as rough as it is with uh, AI, does point out something that we have fundamentally known to be true for ages, ages. But man, it's exciting. Scientists can finally be on par with us. Bitchin'. 
All right, so uh, you know, early in the podcast, I was talking about how I, you know, me and a coworker were you know complaining about how hard it can be to get over the counter medicine. It defeats the purpose of it being over the counter if you have to go over a counter or through a cabinet or through an associate. Um, but it's not just pharmacies that are feeling the burn of this. It's any business, and if you're a business in California, you're going you're going through some rough times. If you're a business in San Francisco, even rougher times because it just seems like well, policies are a little more lax and lenient on those um, uh, who choose to break the law, and it makes things more difficult for those who follow the law. There is a hardware store out in San Francisco that has escorts. Not the fun kind, not the Las Vegas kind, mind you, but uh, associates during uh, certain business hours uh, throughout the day that will uh, guide you through the store to help you find what you want and stay with you to make sure that uh, the purchase is made, that you don't walk off with anything you have not paid for. So when no one is a criminal, everyone's a criminal. This is what it's resorted to. And I understand the uh, the store owner's frustration here because... You're, anytime somebody makes off with product, you're losing money. Uh, and it's kind of hard to keep the lights on the place. But this seems so desperate. And they're doing this because they don't know what else to do. I mean, San Francisco, California, they have made a, they have loosened their laws. They, uh, they won't prosecute uh, certain things. Um, what was it the other... What was the law I was reading about the other day? Uh, like... Anything $950 or less, they will not charge as a felony. So people can walk out of stores and just, with anything and just be a misdemeanor. You have flash mobs out there. Uh, you just have, you know, homeless people all over the place in San Francisco. And if they're like uh, some of the stories I've read about in D.C. where they go in, they take product from a store and they go outside and they sell it for a fraction of the cost, what can the store owner do? And this is what it's come to. That are closed down, that or move into a better neighborhood, a better town. When everybody, when nobody is a criminal, everybody is a criminal, except the criminal. Um, and this is uh, this is just kind of a sign of things to come, especially in bigger cities. San Francisco is a pretty big city, but it'll eke its way through. And if you're not careful, especially here in the Midwest, I mean, uh, I mean. Chicago is only about three hours away from where I live. And I'm sure they're putting up with a lot of stupid things out there. So that's what's going on out in San Francisco. Okay, so Biden's dog apparently is biting people. Like a lot of people. Uh, Joe Biden, he's had two dogs. Like one bit people a couple of times. And now they're uh, the latest dog. Uh, over the course of a year last year, like bit, there was like 25 instances of it biting somebody, and 11 of those 25 requiring uh, medical attention, stitches, sutures, that sort of thing. I don't think anybody was uh, in danger of bleeding out or dying, but I mean, that, what the frick kind of dog is this? I mean, man's best. You're the president of the United States, first of all. You've got the Secret Service all around you, and I'm sure they've got dogs that are trained to kill. So you don't need a dog that's trained to kill. You need a dog that's nice to have around the grandkids, uh, you know, Grandpa Joe there. And this thing is nipping at any staffer or 
or Secret Service agent with reckless abandon. You know, I remember when I went jogging years back, uh, you know, I was in better shape. I got bit by a dog. And animal control went looking for it. And, of course, the owner of the dog uh, in the mutt itself kind of disappeared because they didn't want anything to happen to it. But if that thing tested uh, positive for rabies, they're going to put that bad boy down. If this dog was owned by anybody else, that's what would happen. But it's the President of the United States, and this dog is, you know, just doing whatever it wants, whenever it wants, inside the walls of the White House. That's dangerous. You would think there'd be some sort of um, protocol in place for an animal like that. Because you're the leader of the free world. What if, like, you know, uh, the Prime Minister of England or uh, uh, or somebody else comes in and they get, like, bit in the ass? How embarrassing that would be. Uh, but... Uh, Grandpa Joe's got to have uh, the dog around. Okay, so there's that. Oh, um, Johnny Manziel, remember him? Johnny Football, like we were all excited. Texas A&M, was it, was it Texas A&M? Yeah, he was, he, when that, that time he beat Alabama, we all thought he was going to be the next best thing since sliced bread. He had one great game, then uh, got drunk, got high, got stupid, went to Cleveland and... Well, you know how the rest panned out. I guess he was on Shannon Sharp's uh, podcast and talked about how immature he was. And he talked about how, like, uh, you know, he, he went to Las Vegas to, uh, to piss off the uh, the Browns. Because, you know, it was a very contentious relationship at the time. He goes, you know, when I was sitting at the crap stable, I was like a good 170. 170 pounds. That's, that's light as hell for a quarterback. And he wasn't a big dude to begin with. And uh, Shannon Sharp says, well, how'd you do that? And he goes, oh, I was on the all-cocaine diet. So basically what Johnny Manziel is saying is it works. I mean, he's not the lot, first person to lose a lot of money, uh, a lot of weight due to cocaine. But that God, that guy, a lot of hype, again, a lot of hype going to that dude's head. Last podcast, I was talking about somebody a little more seasoned. Uh, Shaquille O'Neal, I don't think he's ever done cocaine. I don't see any evidence that he has. But he talked about, you know, you get in that atmosphere, you get greedy, you get stupid, and it ended up costing him his marriage. You know, but at least with Shaquille O'Neal, you know, he had a little prestige and he had the career, whereas Johnny Manziel, he had one good game, and that was it. That was freaking it. And finally, oh boy, KFC. I think at the end of the month here, uh, bring in the Chiza, the Chiza, uh, which is a uh, <laughs> heart attack on a plate, basically. The Chiza, uh, it's part chicken, part pizza, um, because, you know, KFC and Pizza Hut are run by the same company. Two pieces of chicken with marinara sauce, uh, mozzarella, and pepperoni. It does sound kind of good. Greasy as hell, though. Uh, but that'll be available at KFC. Uh, but I, I just want everybody to know that Chiza was my favorite member of Wu-Tang. And with that all said and done, I'm done. Till next time, stay fresh. Cheese man. You've been listening to Mike Davidson Live. Be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at facebook.com backslash mdavidsonlives. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at Davidson Live.